So while abortion is legal in these United States of America, and there are still abortion clinics, there's over 700 of them in the United States of America currently, we need to be there. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Many have confidence that if we have a conservative Supreme Court, then that will overturn Roe v. Wade and thereby end abortion. But is this true? Join us as we look at this from a biblical and practical perspective. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening, and that we would appreciate if you guys would share these with your friends, uh, maybe even on social media. Let folks know that you're listening and uh, what episodes you think would be a blessing to others. Just share those. Share those on Facebook, um, whatever other social media that you're involved in, uh, so that we can get more folks listening. And I think what we're doing is encouraging people, especially those who are involved in frontline pro-life ministry at the abortion centers. We want to encourage as many people as possible to uh, get involved, to be well-equipped out there. We just put a podcast out last week about burnout and how to avoid ministry burnout. I think that podcast will be a real blessing to people, especially people that have been out there for a while and been doing ministry for for a good while, because it's easy to get burned out, right? It is. So there are some principles that uh, I think we shared in that podcast that would be a blessing to people Mm -hmm. who are maybe on the edge of getting burned out or even maybe getting toward crispy. And if you don't know what that is, listen to that podcast. You'll you'll find out about that. But we thought is in kind of a timely way. In this episode, we we would talk about the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Now, just we'll preface this with the fact that we're not legal experts. Nor do we play one on TV. I don't even play one no. on TV. I'm not an expert on the Constitution, although no. I do um, love the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that really sets our nation apart. Yeah, to be a constitutional republic and and to be the freest nation that I think has ever existed in humanity's existence yeah. is, 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 it says something. It says yeah. something about our Constitution. But I'm not an expert on the Constitution. I know mm-hmm. some stuff, but not everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on the Supreme Court, nor am I even an expert on Roe v. Wade. People come to me, I'm like, in my circles, I guess, family and friends and stuff, I'm like the pro-life guy. So I should know right. all of the answers about yeah. Roe v. Wade and, and uh, the laws and all that stuff. I don't. I know some yeah. of it, but I'll just let you guys know right off bat that I don't put a whole lot of stock in the political system. Mm-hmm. I don't put a whole lot of stock in the Supreme Court, but these things are important. And with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and mm-hmm. the potential nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, hey, listen, you guys are lucky that I even remember those names, okay? Yes, yeah, same <laughs> with me. We... I know her name is Amy, yeah, but that's yeah. about it. <laughs> so. With that going on, I think it's timely for us to talk about this. And really, the subject is, will the Supreme Court end abortion? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about overturning Roe v. Wade. There has been for a while. As a matter of fact, that's why a lot of people voted for Donald Trump back in 2016. Right. Because they really felt like he would put justices in place that would overturn Roe v. Wade. And he said that. He said that was his intention. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of folks were, though they didn't like his character too much, they voted for him. I was actually one of those people. Yeah. And uh, thinking that that it's possible that Roe v. Wade could be overturned by some justices that are put in place by him. But it's kind of a, like for me, again, I don't put a whole lot of stock in the political system. Mm -hmm. I do think that Supreme Court justices have a a lot of... uh, 
sway and mm-hmm. or at least have a lot to, to do with our political system and the way it works. I understand the checks and balances that are there. And I think it's important to have conservative judges in place. Um, but just let you guys know, I don't think that abortion is going to be ended by the Supreme Court or by any other entity. Right. But we're going to talk about that because yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, we are. And and part of this uh, for me that prompted me to uh, to want to look into this a little bit more was one of our counselors saying, so what if uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned? Yeah. What will the pro-life people do then? Yeah. And that that is part of a question that we're going to talk sure. about because will what we will have happen? any purpose in will, life right will we still have any uh, way to serve god for <laughs> right, those yeah. unborn children and short answer yes she of will course. and yeah. uh, and we're going to get into as long as there the are lost people in the world yeah there's going to be a need for the gospel and this is something that we've said often and that i'll continue to say we're not out there on the sidewalk as pro-life activists mm-hmm. i'm not out there motivated by just a, a pro-life angst or, or, or bend politically or anything like that. I'm out there because I'm a Christian. Right. And there are people dying. Yeah. And the gospel is needed and it's a mission field. I'm yeah. out there as as a missionary. Right. Like we've talked about in previous in a previous podcast and, and several other podcasts. This yeah. is a missionary endeavor. And so we're not out there as activists. And my main purpose in life is not to be a pro life activist. It's to be a Christian. Right. And because I'm a Christian, I'm out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important dynamic for people to understand. Right. But Roe v. Roe v. Wade is clearly an, a very important decision in 1973. Yeah. And, and so we kind of went through logically building the, the case for explaining what is going to happen when, if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And, yeah. and we started off just maybe talk a little bit about the history okay. of, yeah. of abortion and of Roe v. Wade and the... That 1973 decision. Yeah. Well, first I'll say this is we we first started talking about doing this podcast a couple of weeks ago, doing Mm -hmm. this episode. And I told you one of the things that drives me insane is when people, pro-life people or whoever talks about, even pro-choice people talk about when Roe v. Wade was passed. Right. Yeah. Roe v. v. Wade was not a law. Right. So it can't be passed. Right. So only the legislative branch can actually pass laws. Right. Right. That's how the system of government works in the United States of America. Yeah. The Supreme Court doesn't pass laws. Now, to say it correctly, is the decision, the Roe v. Wade decision was handed down. So this was the decision that the Supreme Court made based on the the whole case of, of Roe versus Wade. Right. And so if you guys are yeah. using that in your vernacular when Roe v. Wade was passed and we want the law of Roe v. Wade to be overturned. It's not a law. Yeah. And it wasn't passed. Yeah. It was a decision that was handed down by the Supreme Court. So handed so just down so we're clear is, on that. is a good way to, exactly. s- to say it. Okay. When okay. Roe v. Wade was decided, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. But let's jump into the history of Roe v. Wade. Some folks may be kind of new to this battle and don't really know a whole lot about it. Maybe you do know a little bit about it and you need to know some more, we'll try to inform you. Again, not as experts, yeah. but as folks that know know something. Yeah. And we've read a few articles about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so jump into that. Yeah. Okay, so so Roe, Jane Roe, Norma McCorvey, was a, uh, a young woman who, uh, I believe she lived in Texas at the yeah. time, correct? And she she wanted an abortion. She didn't want her baby. And the, the people that were trying to push for abortion— rights uh 
really used her yeah, and said, yeah. okay, she is the perfect case to, to, for us to work its way up through the courts to yeah. try and bring it to the Supreme Court level, now, right? Let me say this, too, that some people don't particularly understand, but this needs to be a clear understanding that people have. Before Roe v. Wade, before mm-hmm. 1973, was it January 22nd mm-hmm. of 1973, mm-hmm. abortion was legal in this country. Yeah. There were states mm-hmm. where you could go and have an abortion. Mm-hmm. New York is one of those states, mm-hmm. probably California, I'm not sure. I, so I can't the, name out all the states. The, the, their legislature had, had right. passed laws that allowed women to receive an abortion. Correct. It was the state's decision. It was Correct. a state's decision. Yeah. So I'll just yeah. say on its face, if the decision of Roe v. Wade is, is counteracted by some other decision in the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. then it will by default go back to the states. Correct. So abortion... Um, and again, we'll get more in depth with this, but abortion is not going to be ended by overturning Roe v. Wade. Right. It'll just go back to the states. So we have to have that, uh, that understanding. At this particular time, it was not legal to have an abortion in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was legal with some of the exceptions like rape and incest and the health of the mother, uh, right, which those right. exceptions are always used for full-blown abortion on demand, and Mm -hmm. plus we should never use those exceptions. Unless we Mm -hmm. believe a baby that was conceived in rape is less of a human being than a baby that was not, we we should stay far away from those arguments. And I did an episode months and months and months ago, maybe even a year ago, with Flip Benham, who talked about incrementalism and the danger of incrementalism and some of the legislation, and he talks about some of that stuff. There's a lot of articles out there about that, so you guys can check that out. But abortion was, at least in some measure, not legal in Texas. They took the opportunity with Miss um, Rowe, mm-hmm. Norma McCorvey, with her mm-hmm. situation to basically uh, make abortion legal for all 50 of the United States of America. Because it was unfair that here she is in Texas and other people in other states where abortion is legal yeah. had access to abortion, but she did not. And that was part of their argument, that yeah. that it should be universally available, yeah. nationally when it was available. all said and done, she didn't have an abortion anyway. Right, no, she didn't. She was, she was a pawn, and now there's been recently, um, there was a documentary done about her and how she actually was a pawn for the pro-life people. Right. She, unfortunately, she she was used by a pawn or as a pawn by the pro-choice people, and maybe by some pro-life people. Although I'll tell you this, I know Flip personally, yeah. and any accusation brought against him as using her as a pawn is just—I mean, it is garbage, absolute garbage. Yeah. That yeah. that dude is is one. He's not a deceiver. Let me tell you, he's yeah. going to tell you what he thinks, what he what he believes, and what he what he knows to be the case. To a fault. To a fault, <laughs> That's right? right? He's not going to be deceiving anybody. Right. And it's not like, because he was accused of giving her like half a million dollars or something like that. Utterly we can, ridiculous. We can guarantee Flip does not have <laughs> a I have to get dollars. on to him about his tattered rags that he wears his right. clothes oftentimes, right. actually. His so. shoes were duct taped together <laughs> yeah, at one point exactly. last winter. So maybe, yeah. maybe Flip will listen to this and, yeah. and be blessed by, by <laughs> right. these encouraging words. But either way, I'm just saying that's just that's garbage. And was she manipulated? She was certainly manipulated by the tr- pro-choice people. That's yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Was she manipulated by pro-life groups? Possibly. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's kind of a rabbit trail. So let's jump into... The uh, that's a little bit of the background of Roe v. Wade again, not in depth. Well, and so, but the the court held that that do say this that the court held that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy, 
protected okay. by the 14th Amendment in yeah. the Constitution. That's how it, this decision was made, that, yeah. that a woman had an implicit right to privacy through the 14th Amendment, and abortion fell somehow into that yeah. right to privacy. And we're going to kind of dismantle why that really is not an appropriate decision, not based on our great knowledge, but based on articles we read. Yeah. Although even yeah. that one I, I could probably maybe have, have, yeah. uh, have dealt with. So, so let's jump into the subject of whether or not Roe v. Wade is, is constitutional. Okay. Now you've, yeah. you've read a little bit on that, and so just kind of give me your spiel on right, that. Right, right, yeah. So I read an article, and by the way, um, we can probably post this. I, yeah. I, have, I have put together many, many articles into a single paper where we go through the things that we're going to be discussing today, and we give every reference, because there's too many of them for me to give you over the podcast. But one of the articles, um, which did talk about whether Roe v. Wade was constitutional, and you can find that link in when when we post this podcast, we will also post this article. But it listed the top 10 reasons why it was not constitutional. And we're not going to go through all 10, but, um, but maybe the top three or four of them. So one of them was the court's decision in Roe v. Wade exceeded its constitutional authority. And you've already touched on this. It is the Supreme Court a legislative branch of government? No. No. So, and yet the law of nationally could not be passed to allow uh, abortions in every state. They yeah. were unsuccessful, yeah. the abortion rights people. So what happened instead was they pushed this case up through the Supreme Court to have the Supreme Court basically change United States law yeah. or make, really not change, made, there was no law. So right. to make w- what became, quote, the law of the land. Yeah, and, and basically they used, again, the 14th Amendment right. to say, well, this fits into the category of, of a woman's right to privacy. Right. And and one of the quotes that I have from this first point, that it was unconstitutional, I'm just going to read what it says because they say it better than I could. Under the legal system established by the U.S. Constitution, the power to make laws is vested in Congress and retained by state legislatures. It is not the role of the Supreme Court to substitute the policy preference of its members for those expressed in laws enacted by the people's elected representatives. The role of the judiciary in constitutional review is to determine if the law being challenged infringes on a constitutionally protected right. And that's not what happened in Roe v. Wade. Okay. So um, the second main point for why Roe v. Wade is not constitutional, they said, was that the court misrepresents the history of abortion practice and attitudes toward abortion. Okay. So in in Roe v. Wade, the court said that there was, in their opinion, there was a long historical practice of the right to an abortion. Okay. That was part of their premise in, in... upholding or in 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 the decision uh and that it was widely practiced and unpunished until the appearance of restrictive laws in what they describe as the prudishly victorian 19th century okay but in fact the hippocratic oath which every doctor takes 
said and had all the way through uh, 1968 says his famous that famous oath which has guided medical ethics for over 2000 years says in part and this is a quote I will give no deadly medicine to anyone if asked nor suggest any such counsel and in like manner I will not give to a woman a pessary to produce abortion so something that's going to cause her to yeah. to abort her child and that enduring standard was followed until the Roe v. Wade era, um, wow. and through 1968. And in fact, it uh, the declaration of the World Medical Association said, "I will maintain." They had the doctors continued the oath, "I will maintain the utmost respect for human life from the time of conception." Yeah. So in that, it's saying things yeah, that so Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So looking back and saying, there's been like historical precedent. And so yeah. all we're doing with our decision is saying what history has already said, that women do have a right to an abortion. It's a common thing, and it's not been punished under law. That was all just a farce. It was not true. Right. It, it was not true. And, um, and Justice Blackman, who was, I believe, the, um, the justice who wrote the, um, the opinion in Roe v. Wade, dismisses this universal, unbroken ethical tradition as nothing more than a fringe Greek sect manifesto so we would we would disagree that the court accurately represented the history of abortion practice and and attitudes yeah all right so the third one the court distorts the purpose and legal weight of state criminal abortions statutes and so let me read what they wrote because again they i am not a scholar uh, um, a constitutional scholar, but the person writing this was. Okay. In the 19th century, in virtually every state and territory, laws were enacted to define abortion as a crime throughout pregnancy. They contained only narrow exceptions, generally permitting abortion only if necessary to preserve the mother's life. And the primary reason for those stricter abortion laws was to protect greater protection for the unborn baby. So the court distorted that truth that the laws up to that point were not supporting a woman's right to abortion. And in fact, the very opposite was true. They were generally supporting and overwhelmingly supporting protecting that unborn life. Okay. So, um, so what's being said here is the consideration for these laws was for the unborn child and basically... Uh, reiterating what the Bible has always uh, said, that life is precious and valuable even in the womb, right? That's right. And up to up till this point in our country's history, the unborn child was seen as valuable, his life sacred yeah. and protected and should be protected. And there was broad acceptance of that prior to the Roe v. Wade era. Yeah, okay. So, okay, how about this one? This was another major one. A privacy right, which was, of course, the 14th Amendment. A privacy right to decide to have an an abortion has no foundation in the text or history of the Constitution. So the court did not even pretend that they were examining whether the intent of the drafters of the 14th Amendment ever intended something like abortion to be 
to be included in a privacy amendment or in a privacy, yeah, in a privacy amendment. Uh, it was, the 14th Amendment was not intended to create any new rights, such as a right to abortion, but it was to, it was actually to secure to all people, notably freed slaves and their descendants, the rights and liberties that had already been granted by the Constitution. Yeah. So it was never to make a new right, as did happen. That was what it was used for in uh, deciding on Roe v. Wade, yeah. the way that it yeah, was what decided. A, what a grievous way to use the 14th Amendment when it was intended to um, help these freed slaves and their descendants, and yet they turn it around and make it into a woman's right to abort her child. What, what a grievous yeah. way to turn things on their head. Yeah, so this is really interesting, and I'm going to read what they say. The court mentioned several specifically enumerated rights which concern an aspect of privacy. For example, the Fourth Amendment's and this is, quote, right of the people to be secure in their houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. But the court fails to connect those to the newly found right to abortion because no logical connection exists. And so this privacy right had been expanded to encompass so many uh aspects of life that you could apply this to virtually any conduct performed outside of the public view, including child abuse, pornography. Now, that is not what it was expanded to, but why not? Right. Because yeah, I mean, the, the logical conclusion from that exactly. is people can shoot up drugs in their home, Whatever. They prostitution, have that right to, right. All these, as long as you're doing it in private. Abuse each other, yeah. abuse children, sexual traffic children in your home because of the right to privacy. Yeah. So, um, and basically, the point is that's a ridiculous application of the Fourteenth Amendment, right? Yeah. Okay. The next one, although it reads the Fourteenth Amendment extremely expansively to include a right of privacy to decide whether to abort a child, the court in Roe v. Wade adopts a very narrow construction of the meaning of persons and specifically excludes unborn children. Yeah. So on one hand, they're expansively, expand, well, they're expanding what the 14th Amendment never meant to protect, but they're narrowing what the word persons includes yeah. so that unborn children are not included in yeah. the word persons. Yeah, and so I'll say just, just to springboard on that and yeah. to speak from it from a, a biblical perspective. Good. And which is one of the reasons why So I don't want anyone to take from this podcast that we don't think that Roe v. Wade should be overturned. It should we be. That decision that, should, yeah. be, <laughs> should be rejected, right? Yeah. The reason why is not because it will end abortion. The reason why, because as a nation, that would be part and parcel to repenting. Yes. Because what we did yeah. as a nation and the people that we put in positions of power, especially the Supreme Court, what, what they did was... They slapped God in the face. Yeah. They told their creator, we don't need you. We don't want you on our land. Yeah. And all, after all, human beings don't have intrinsic value. Right. And it, it's really an offense to God, which is why this thing needs to, this decision needs to be rejected. Uh, one organization calls Roe v. Wade not the law of the land, the lie of the land. Yeah. I and mean, it really is. Yeah. And so as a nation... This is part of repentance. We need to mm -hmm. repent that we have um, 
excluded, as you just said, quoting from this article, they excluded unborn children from the category right. of persons. We need to right. repent for that as a nation. Right. And part of that yeah. would be overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. But again, as we're going to talk about in just a little bit, I, d- I don't believe overturning Roe v. Wade is going to end abortion. Right. And we'll talk about what will yeah. at, at the very end. So there's a whole bunch of other main points that they make, um, but they 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 do ignore by just to add a little bit more to the last one we just mentioned they ignore the clear and uncontested biological evidence before them that individual human lives begin at conception we really do not need to resolve that difficult question of when life begins though honestly because this question is determined by science we know that now yeah. and they knew that then but like you said it's kind of a direct uh rejection of god so and that's, god's that's, order. that's kind of a, a quote from the court itself we don't need to resolve this difficult question of when life begins i think it was yeah i think i think it was so they're they're basically saying in that that yeah, it could be, could not right. be, could be life, could not be life. Doesn't matter. But, they but sidestep all, it. it. It doesn't matter. They yeah. sidestep it. You know, the, yeah. the one analogy that's given, and I forget it was it was a, it's a pro life apologetics guy, maybe Scott Klusendorf or something. He says, uh, um, you know, if there's a building and they're about to to demolish the building, and you ask the guy who's about to push the button, hey, is there any life in there? And, well, we didn't check. We don't know. We don't have really have to resolve this question. Well, you need to resolve that question before you push the button yeah. and detonate you know, the, the, the bomb that's going to take that building down. We need to, if, if, if we're talking this is human life and the potential for human life, and this is possibly a human life, we need to be careful, right? Don't you think? Exactly. Just, no, let's just haphazardly decide that. Yeah, personhood doesn't include unborn. Yeah, and children. and they're saying that's a question to be decided by science philosophers, theologians, and they don't answer it. But then, but then, um, they resolve the question at birth by allowing abortion to be legal throughout pregnancy. They they refer to the unborn child as a potential life. Yeah. And so on one hand, they're saying, oh, we don't know when life begins, and that's not up to us, and sidestepping the question. And on the other hand, they're saying. It's not life. It's potential life. Yeah. So they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth yeah. there. And then, you know, scientifically, come on. Scientifically, an, an unborn child, an embryo, a zygote, a fetus, whatever label you want to put on an unborn child, it is a separate entity than the mother. It is an organism. By definition, it is a separate organism than right. the mother. Right. And that's just undisputable. Yeah. Now, you can talk about philosophically whether or not that life has value, and that's not what this podcast is about, although maybe we'll do one in the future about that. Yeah. You can maybe talk philosophically about it, but science, scientifically, there is life in the womb, and, and it's a separate life. It's a unique life than the mother. And so that question is, is well resolved for sure. And the whole idea of viability was part of that decision of the Roe v. Wade decision and not knowing really when the child was viable, but thinking it was much, much later. Yeah. And it really was. I mean, whether the child could survive with medical intervention was much later back then. But now we have ultrasounds. We didn't have. um, In fact, let me let me mention 
talking about that, we uh, the ultrasound. I was actually training a doctor today. Okay. Uh, and as a, sidewalk, a physician uh, to become counselor. a sidewalk counselor, a really, really great woman. And she said, and she's around my age, so she said when she was starting her her studies, her medical studies, she said there there weren't ultrasounds, or if they were, they were so rudimentary. And she said we we believed we doctors believed. It really was a clump of cells. That's yeah. how she was trained. She bought the whole Roe v. Wade uh, movement and the and the so-called pro-choice movement because she believed that lie, that it was wow. only a clump of cells. And that's what medical science kind of was showing at the time. But we know for a fact that just it was so inaccurate. And we have proof now. We can look at ultrasounds. Yeah. We can see it's not a clump of cells. Oh, absolutely. We, we've seen plenty. Mm-hmm. Of ultrasounds, you can see an right. ultrasound at six, seven weeks along. Now, six weeks, baby's very small. Basically, what you can pick up is the heartbeat, but you can see that very clearly. Nine weeks, I remember seeing when my wife was pregnant with our twins, Abigail and Bethany. Um, she showed me the fir- first ultrasound. Um, I wasn't there actually. It was kind of a I won't get into that story, but it was mm-hmm. kind of a unique story. We knew she was pregnant. She worked at a hospital at the time, so she slipped over because she knew the lady that worked in the ultrasound um, area. And she's got a she's really quick peek at our baby, and little did she know we actually had two. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty amazing story. And uh, anyway, long story short, she had a video of it seeing those two babies on yeah. that ultrasound. I'd never seen twins. I've seen a couple of ultrasounds at that point, but I'd never seen two yeah. babies in the womb. And yeah. I remember seeing their little arms moving back and forth. I remember seeing their little hearts beating, you know, yeah. separate heartbeats yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And I just share all that to say that at nine weeks along, I'm I'm a dude that doesn't have medical expertise, and I can plainly see on that ultrasound, right. those were two separate lives, right. and those were human beings. Yeah, and you know what I hear all the time from our opposition out on the sidewalk when I'll describe what I've seen on the many, I've seen hundreds of ultrasounds now, I'm out, I've been out there a long time, and they say we're making it up, and that this is all a lie. Yeah. And that is the attempt, as what happened in Roe v. Wade, to dehumanize that precious yeah. little baby because otherwise it's monstrous. It's yeah. monstrous what they're suggesting should be a right. Yeah. Which and means it is monstrous. It is monstrous. And that brings to the last one that of these that we're going to discuss about is the Constitution. The court describes the right to abortion as fundamental. Yeah. And so the Supreme Court has found that there are certain fundamental rights, which are either explicitly expressed or implied in the Constitution. They're considered deeply rooted in the history of, of the American people. And some of those rights, fu- fundamental rights, so listen to this. Okay. Free exercise of religion, the right to marry, the right to a fair trial, and equal protection. Yeah. And every fundamental right comes under a, there's a strict scrutiny. Listen to the, those, that list of fundamental rights, and now add to that list the right to kill an unborn child. Yeah. This is a fundamental right. Right. This is, all of the fundamental say, rights. The heart of God. Right. All the fundamental rights listed were positives, things that everyone should equally enjoy, that there should be justice for all, the law equally applied. So let's talk so, a little real quick about yeah. the results of Roe v. Wade. Many of you okay, guys know. We kinda, yeah, that's good. You guys know that since 1973, mm-hmm. we've killed 
it's been about 65 million unborn children in the womb, 47 years, about 65 million. Here in our country Here in the alone. United States of America. Here in our country alone. And again, that grieves the heart of the Lord. Yeah. These children are made in God's image. And it's not that we've killed these 65 million and, uh, and, and that's all there is to it. As a nation, we've put our stamp of approval on that. We've, like this language that we talked about, called it a fundamental right of a person to kill their unborn child. We've rejected the humanity. We did that in the Dred Scott decision mm-hmm. in the Supreme Court. We did that mm-hmm. as it concerns Africans who were brought over mm-hmm. here and others who were brought over here and sold, bought, and sold as slaves. Mm-hmm. We rejected their humanity. Mm-hmm. And that grieved the heart of God. And it's just my theory. You guys can argue with me if you want to. But I believe the Civil War was God's judgment on this nation for what we did through slavery here in America. Right. And it was ultimately rectified um, in one sense through that bloody civil war. But that, that was the judgment of God on this nation yeah. for what we did. And we should expect no less unless God would be merciful. And he's merciful and he's kind. And the church, we need to be crying out to God for mercy for our nation. But when we've killed 65 million of our own unborn children in the womb, yeah, that is a grievous effect of this Roe v. Wade. Again, it was something that we put from the highest level of government our stamp of approval on. Yeah. And God's not okay with that. No, he's a God of justice, and he cannot turn a blind eye to, yeah. to what has happened. A million a year is yeah. babies are killed, yeah. correct? In, yeah, a million, in million. Here yeah, in the United here States. In the United States of America. And those yeah. are the ones that are accounted for. Right. There are some states that yeah. don't keep very good uh, accounts of how many abortions right. are taking place. And uh, so 65 million is maybe uh, the best estimate that's out yeah. there. Yeah. But it's likely more than that. And then worldwide— through abortion, I mean, we're talking probably, what, billions of people that have yeah. been murdered yeah. by abortion? Yeah. That's one thing. One of the things that we say within Love Life um, is that this is the number one cause of death yeah. in the United States. It's right. not heart disease. It's not cancer. As grievous as those things are and as many lives as they take, which is terrible, but abortion far exceeds the numbers right. of cancer and heart disease and any other ailment that, that, that takes people's lives Abortion supersedes all of them. It is the number one leading cause of death in in our city, in our state, in the United States of America, and in the world. Yeah, and that's just the unborn babies. That's not to talk about the carnage that it causes in the families and in the women themselves, which is overwhelming. Yeah, And the, the aftermath, the effects the terrible effects and the destruction of the family. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there's a terrible legacy from from Roe v. Wade. It has had some pretty devastating results. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump into what if this new justice is confirmed? Yeah. What if um, the legislative body, like is designed in the Constitution, approves this, confirms this justice, Justice Amy Coney Barrett? Yeah. And she yeah. sits on the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. Will Roe v. Wade be overturned? Yeah. So Trump in 2016 said it was part of his platform that he was definitely going to be, one of his goals was to overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay. And um, he vowed to appoint justices who would overturn Roe v. Wade. He said he hoped that that would happen automatically because he was going to put pro-life justices on the court. And then he even said, which you've already said, 
because you're more of a scholar, constitutional scholar than me, that so. uh, it will go back to the states yeah. and that the states would then make the determination. So Amy Coney Barrett, am I saying her name right? Yeah. Amy Coney Barrett mm-hmm. um, has, has spoken openly about her Catholic faith. She was asked, uh, as many uh Circuit court judges were asked what they felt about what their personal views on Roe v. Wade was or were, and she said that all nominees are united in their belief that what they think about a precedent should not bear on how they decide cases. So what that means is that the precedent is set by Roe v. Wade, that abortion is allowed yeah. in, in our nation. And and the the court upheld that precedent in another another case. I forget when that happened, but it's the case where Casey, Casey is the name of that case. Okay. And and so it, there's at least two precedents. Planned Parenthood the, versus Casey. Correct. In, correct. Uh, Nineteen ninety-two. Correct. So can can the precedent be uh, be overturned and and it. Or can can the court go against a a precedent? Okay. And and we're going to talk about that a little bit more thoroughly in in just a second. But if Barrett is confirmed, which it looks like she probably will be, okay, probably before the election even, and the court indeed overturns the precedent of Roe v. Wade and then the Casey uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the issue would be left to the states which would set up, of course, intense fights in state legislatures. And legal observers said leading to an even more patchwork system, this is a pro-choice person writing this, by the way, where abortion rights hinge almost entirely on where uh, a person lives. So if if she's confirmed, there is going to be a majority of conservative justices who have already indicated they would be eager to get an abortion case up all the way through to the Supreme Court, and that they they certainly believe that precedent can be um, challenged. Yeah. In in the Supreme Court, in lower courts, no, but in the Supreme Court, uh, it can be, and that's how bad laws get changed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the kind role. of one of the things that the Supreme Court does. Yeah. Is challenge precedent that is set by these uh, district courts or, or whatever um, right, right. cases so, come up to them through these different areas. So I didn't know a lot about this. as, as I, I'm learning more about it. But, but so what about precedents mm-hmm. in challenging Roe v. Wade? And, and most people, like I, believed that decisions of the Supreme Court could, could not be reversed. But they are. They're yeah. often reversed. Look at slavery yeah. and, um, and the rights of, of African Americans now. Um, so it's, the, it's actually, just like you said, it's the court's duty yeah. to reverse wrongful prior decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the court's duty to make new law, but it is their decision to look at what is the law of the land, yeah. and if it's wrong or or past decisions, and if they're wrongly decided, to correct that. Yeah, I know one of the things that uh, that has to be considered. One one commentator, political pundit guy said, when you're talking about, and this is in no way a plug for Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and in no way am I saying you, you don't know God if you don't vote for him. But what I am right. saying is, when you vote for a president. We have to think of it in terms of you're voting for a worldview. 
Mm-hmm. Right? When you're voting, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're voting for a worldview. Whether you like it or not, you are. If you vote for Joe Biden, you might like the guy, you might not. But in reality, you're voting for a worldview. And it, what comes with that, which is the way the Constitution was designed, is when you're voting for Trump's worldview, he's going to nominate judges that are in line with that worldview. Mm-hmm. Now, you again, we can debate whether or not Trump has changed his worldview over the years. He used to be a, a pro-abortion Democrat for mm-hmm. a long time, mm-hmm. and I think that's undisputable. Mm-hmm. But it does seem that at least maybe it's the pander to voters probably is uh, that he's or made maybe a shift in part, there. but he certainly is the pro most pro life president we've ever had, yeah. and his the, his actions have sure. shown yeah. that he yeah. is supportive of the pro life agenda. Yeah, and so he certainly has been more vocal and more willing to nominate justices that would be in line with the stance that would protect unborn children. And I say all that to say, when you vote for someone like Donald Trump, someone who would elect, or not elect, but would nominate um, justices, you're voting for a worldview, and these justices are lifetime appointees. Once Mm -hmm. they're there, they're there for lifetime. So you're looking at, if you're voting for a guy who's going to elect or or, uh, nominate conservative justices, you're voting for somebody that's going to put people that are going to be in that position of power and holding that conservative conservative stance for a long time. Right. Right. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Because we need some kind of, I mean, listen, the the whole Congress could sh- could shift yeah. to be a bunch of leftist socialists. The um, executive branch could be given over to leftist socialists. But if we've got a Supreme Court that's going to hold back the tide of that garbage, then that's at least going to keep us for a little while as a nation from becoming full blown communist <laughs> socialist. Um, a communist socialist nation. And truly that's the beauty and the genius of what our forefathers did in how they set up the way our country would be run and the branches of government to be checks and balances on each other. So, okay, so if overturned then, is abortion abolished? I just want to say I just heard in a podcast, or maybe it was on the news, Biden said that if that happened— he would bring a bill to Congress uh, to legalize abortion yeah. nationally. So he's talking about, yeah, a, a federal law. If it's overturned, law. he's already, he's ready to pass federal law. That, yeah. will, oh, that yeah. will be what Roe v. Wade was as the Supreme Court decision. He would turn it into federal law. That's it. That he has said he would do that. Yeah. So yeah. if it's overturned, so, what happens? I mean, I, I think I answered that question at the very beginning. Will abortion be abolished if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Nope. Yeah. It'll go back to the states. Right. And there's 20. Will there be states? Yeah. That, well, you're about to talk about that. Will yeah. there be states that banned abortion? Uh, would you say yeah, 22? Yeah, we have the numbers. Tw- 22 are likely to ban abortion. Yeah. And you guys probably know what some of those states yeah, are. Yeah, we could probably list them all. I think yeah. South Carolina would be one. Yeah. Georgia would likely mm-hmm. be one. Alabama would be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these states, like Kentucky, they only have one abortion clinic. Or I think maybe that now they have two, but Mississippi yeah. that has one abortion clinic. Yeah. Yeah, those, that would likely be the case. But abortion still would not be abolished completely in the United States of America. And you can believe for sure that there's going to be some venomous fights, even in these states that would abolish abortion. Uh, and yeah, who knows, the ACLU, the American Communist Lawyers Union, will get in there and do their thing. It's, it's going to be a vicious fight, no doubt about it. But I do think this, that we do need to overturn this thing. Mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade needs to be rejected mm-hmm. as the lie of the land, because that's what it is. And it's, again, mostly to show the Lord that we're repenting. 
And then these things could be mitigated in the states. But I'll say this. I'll go as far to say, and and this is a point in which our pro-abortion opposition, folks that even online or out there on the sidewalk or whatever that say, well, you know, if you abolish abortion, people are still going to have abortions. Yeah, I know that. We do. People are still Mm -hmm. going to sin. Mm -hmm. I always will respond with, well... We abolished slavery, and people still own slaves. We yeah, had uh, yeah. just a few podcasts ago, we had uh, the brother from Justice Ministries right. talking about basically slavery, right? right. Sex trafficking Sex and slavery. human trafficking mm-hmm. is slavery. It's yeah. what it is. It's buying and selling humans as property. Yeah, People still do that. Mm-hmm. It's illegal. People yeah. are going to have illegal abortions. That's true. Abortion ultimately is not going to be completely abolished until the Lord Jesus comes through the clouds and establishes his kingdom on the earth, right? right. That's the only time in which abortion will be abolished. However, we, as, a, we as, as human beings, but especially we as Christians, have a duty to uphold God's law and bring man's law to line up with God's law. Yeah. There's this mentality that somehow God's law needs to be lowered and brought down to, to equal our standards. No. What's intended, even with our Constitution, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying all of our founding fathers were godly people. There were some, certainly some ungodly people, that, but they did recognize that God's law should be the highest law. And God's law is simple. Exodus chapter 20, you guys can read it. You should memorize the Ten Commandments there in Exodus chapter 20. The commandment number six is you shall not murder. Yeah. And that's what abortion is. It's murder. Yeah. So our law needs to come up to where God's law is. Rather than justifying the murder of unborn children, we need to agree with God and say it's wrong, and as a nation, we're repenting of it. That's right. We're turning away from it. Yeah. And again, as Christians, it is our duty to bring the gospel to those who are in need. Women go into abortion clinics because they don't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. We need to bring the gospel to them. Mm -hmm. So while abortion is legal in these United States of America, and there are still abortion clinics, there's over 700 of them in the United States of America currently, we need to be there. Right. We need to be there pleading on behalf of those unborn children, giving them a voice, yeah. and in one sense, reinstating their humanity. Though society has said they're not human beings, they're not precious, they don't have value, we need to be speaking the truth of God in opposition to the lies mm-hmm. of the world and the enemy, that mm-hmm. these human beings, these babies, do have value, and that yeah. they do deserve to be protected. And we do that, you and I yeah, and others yeah. do that right there on the front lines. There's other ways to do it, certainly, in conversations with people, online. Um, Wish if, it would be coming from the pulpit more often. I think it's not, but that's, I think, a huge, huge, huge issue. Absolutely. And so this is, this is our duty as Christians. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the bodies of government have their job. Yeah. And the Bible tells us God has established these bodies of government, whether you like it or not. Yeah. This is God-ordained, what we have in the United States, and though men will always pervert and twist, uh, let, the, let the bodies of government do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, elect people who are going to be in line with your values. Again, those worldviews. You're, you're electing a worldview, not just a, a person. Right. But it cannot stop there. Mm-hmm. If it stops at you just checking a box, if it stops at you just going to the ballot box, yeah. Then that's not you doing your Christian duty. Right. Your Christian duty is Proverbs thirty-one verses eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Open your mouth for the speechless, or Jesus' command: love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. We're supposed to do that. That's that's mm-hmm. our duty. So I want to just wrap this thing up with a few scriptures. Okay. Because we can go on and on about stuff we don't know anything about. Right. Like right. judicial, the yeah. judicial system. Maybe yeah. we've helped you guys a little bit, but 
we're going to put this article out. This is basically a compilation of other articles, right? It is. It's not something I've really written. I've I've copied and pasted okay. all of these major areas yeah. and, so, and given the references, so people can do further study on their yeah. own. So we'll copy paste sure. copy and paste this into yeah. a, a WordPress blog for right. our um, right for our website yeah. sidewalksforlife.com, uh, mm-hmm. and you guys can check it out. And there'll be links there to the the yes. full articles yes. that you draw from. Right. But in wrapping this thing up. Let's look at a few scriptures. Okay. And Psalm 118, verse 8, is one that you have written down here within this, uh, this kind of snippet article here. Okay. So I want to read that because, guys, we have to understand what our, what our angle should be as believers, right? Who should we put our trust in? Do we put our trust in man? Yeah. Do we put our trust in ju- the judicial branch, in Amy Coney Barrett or Donald Trump? Wow, we're going to be— right. Pretty dissatisfied if we yeah. do that, right? Yeah. And so, Psalm 118 and verse 8 It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Mm. It is better, verse 9, is ve- better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Mm. It's talking about rulers. Princes exactly. yeah. is synonymous with rulers, people in positions of power. Mm-hmm. We should put our trust in the Lord. Our confidence has to be in Him, and I was the other day praying just through the uh, the potential for the election. The election's coming up November the 3rd. Go yeah. out and vote. I yeah. think it's your Christian duty to do so. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but, you know, vote your worldview, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about this and praying through this and just thinking, okay, how am I going to feel if Joe Biden wins? Yeah. And I looked back just in my heart and in my mind thinking, well, how did I feel when Barack Obama was elected? Mm-hmm. Like, was I, was it almost like, uh, you know, my football team lost? You know how some people, mm-hmm. like, if their football team <laughs> loses, they have a bad week, they have a bad right. month. Oh, they go into right? deep depression. Yeah, right? they go into deep yeah. depression. Am yeah. I going to feel like that? How am I going to feel? And I remember back when Barack Obama was elected, I, I didn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't discouraged in the least, actually. Mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. He was a total leftist, you know, mm-hmm. loony bird, and, and I really think brought our country in a, in a wrong direction. Yeah. But my confidence is not in him. It wasn't right. in uh, who was even running against him. Was it uh, John McCain or something <laughs> like that? I don't even remember. Newt Gingrich? I don't remember. But <laughs> one of them. It was one, one of, of those, those guys. Yeah, one of those losers who <laughs> wasn't going to do a whole lot for us anyway. I don't want to call him loser, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like they're, they're, they weren't going to be my security anyway. Right, right. And Donald Trump is not my security. Right. So if Joe Biden becomes president, pff, yeah. I, I, I could, yeah, I'll be a little disappointed. I'll be a little disappointed that we as a nation couldn't make a better decision. But I'm also, I'm looking at Donald Trump, and I'm thinking, well, he's not the, the greatest guy in the world. Yeah. Right? And honestly, our nation could be destroyed. And any ruler sure. could end up, any terrible ruler could end up destroying our nation. Well, but I, our, think, I think the fact is, whether Joe Biden is president or Donald Trump is president, yeah. somebody's going to be burning something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> somebody's going to be looting <laughs> yeah. and rioting. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Some, it's going to be rough either way. Um, so what I'm saying is, my confidence is in the Lord. Right. Whether Joe Biden is president or not, mm-hmm. whether Donald Trump is president or not, I'm not going to be discouraged because I know that Jesus Christ is still on his throne. Jesus exactly. Christ is still the Lord of all of creation. And if we know that and we truly possess that in our soul, we understand, believe, and trust that, we are able to impart that to others. Yeah. And I think that is our duty to, to bring that confidence and trust to others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So another scripture here 
mm-hmm. in Psalms. Psalms okay. are so wonderful. Psalms are so good. Yeah. Psalm 108 mm-hmm. and uh, verse 12. Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Mm. Through God, we will do valiantly, valiantly, for it is he who shall tread upon our enemies. So leave it up to is, God, right? Leave it up to the yeah, Lord, right? Yeah. We know our enemies are not the Democrats, and in some sense they are, right? They're enemies of this country and of this, this constitutional republic that we live in. But ultimately, our enemies as believers are spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it's the Lord that's going to handle that stuff. We just have yeah. a duty to obey the Lord, to be a voice for these babies, to proclaim the gospel, and all that other stuff, overturning Roe v. Wade, um, abolishing abortion, all the other political stuff that can take place. we got to do our best to do what we can, vote for people that are in line with our worldview, but trust the Lord. Yeah. Right. And, so, and so, speak his truth. Yeah. Rather so than the reality the is the this. Men. We have to be faithful to proclaim the gospel, <laughs> no matter who's in power, right. no matter how the Supreme Court is, no matter if, if the Supreme Court is a leftist Supreme Court mm-hmm. or a conservative Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We have a duty to proclaim the gospel. And yeah. then just bringing up the rear here with uh, Micah chapter 7 and, uh, and verse 5. Okay. Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence, and that's the key word, in a companion. Oh, okay. Guard the doors of your mouth mm-hmm. from her who lies in your bosom. Mm-hmm. For son dishonors father and daughter rises against mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own household. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. This is, this is the key here. I will look to the Lord, and I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And the yeah. point of this is, yes, there's chaos, and there's going to be chaos in this nation. And no matter what happens with the Supreme Court, no matter what happens with the election, there's going to be a lot of chaos in our nation. Daughter-in-law against daughter-in-law. I just had a new volunteer come out today whose son is actually going to be marrying a, pro, a pro-choice person, and Ooh. she's not terribly happy with that. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously <laughs> making a bad decision there, but there's, there's some contention there with yeah. her potential daughter-in-law, yeah. And, yeah. and it's going to be, and it's like that. I, I'm yeah. hearing a lot of these stories, just people within their families fighting over the issue of life and pro-choice, pro-life, but other mm-hmm. political issues, the mm-hmm. BLM stuff and all of that. Just a lot of infighting in families. It seems like it's ramped up even more and more. And we and we try to find our confidence. Like, yeah. let's go talk to them. Maybe they can tell us yeah. what we need to hear. Or let's go talk to them. And this, these verses are saying, don't do that. Yeah, that, exactly. That's useless. Yeah. Again, therefore, I will look to the Lord. Yeah. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. Right. My God will hear me. Yeah. So, as believers in Jesus, our confidence has to be in Him, not in the Supreme Court, not mm-hmm. in whatever other entity that we want to look to. And our obedience and our allegiance has to be to to the Lord. So, I want to yeah. encourage you guys with that. Be faithful. Um, don't put confidence in the flesh. Don't put confidence in the Supreme Court. Do what you need to do as far as your duty and in, in voting and, and praying. Certainly we need to be praying for our nation. Our pastor has encouraged us to pray every day at 714 in, in, in line with Second uh, Chronicles 714. If my people, which are called by na- my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. So you'd have to be awake at 714. Yeah, 714 in, okay. in the morning. And okay. so I have an alarm set. So I just want to encourage you guys. Maybe yeah. you set your alarm. 714, he said, pray a minute for our nation, that the Good. heart of this nation would mm-hmm. turn back to the Lord. And part of that, again, is overturning this Roe v. Wade decision. But there's a lot of other things that as a nation we need to turn back to the Lord in. Yeah. So be praying for our nation. But put your confidence in the Lord 
If you want to reach out to me, it's dparks at citiesforlife.com. She is vcassiorg at citiesforlife.com. So we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to hear how this podcast was a blessing to you guys, an encouragement to you guys. Maybe you have some things that you could share along these lines that would help us. We'd certainly love to hear from you. But until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you.